Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's our lead pastor, Matthew Malik. So are you ready for the word? All right. Well, we are in the midst of our series entitled Seasons. This is part four. And the title is Kill That. Okay? And when we'll get into that, we'll see what that's all about. But I, I wanted to mention that this is my first Father's Day without my dad. And although he's missed, I'll never forget the impact he had in my life and what he taught me, the lessons I learned by his example. And, and for, as I was growing up, being raised on the farm, very often I worked side by side with him. And he taught me the importance of hard work and commitment and faithfulness and really being diligent to get the task done. And, and, and I miss my dad. He's with Jesus in heaven this morning. But I'm sure he's looking upon his children, his grandchildren, and great-great-grandchildren, and he's pleased to see what God is doing in their lives. One of the things my dad would always bring up and mention, especially the last few years of his life, how blessed he was that his children were serving the Lord. And what joy that brings to a dad. And so you younger people, you can bring joy to your dad too. Just be faithful to serve God. And kill the, this title, you might say, who came up with this? Nathan, of course. <laughs> I can blame it on him. It's an idiom for whenever someone does something really, really well. Okay? You kill it, you know. And so it's kind of an expression that, uh, how, how it came up, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, or the flip side is when someone ruins a moment. You're in the, just a romantic moment with your wife. And all of a sudden, she says, did you take the garbage out? Oh, you just ruined the moment. No. <laughs> okay, no. Uh, I couldn't think of any others. I could do a reverse thing there too. Because usually it's the ladies that are more romantic than the guys. Anyway, but have you ever ruined a moment? You killed it? Oh, you just... Anyway, we better move on here. Now, for me personally, killed it uh, is in reference to me ending the life of a spider when it's threatening my daughter Mackenzie. <laughs> and she says, Daddy, kill it! Okay, where is it? I can't see. Do you have a magnifying glass so I can find it? Oh, there it is. Killed it. So, and for those of you that don't know, Mackenzie, who's sitting next to your mother, does not like bugs, big or small. Amen. Well, I found a beautiful moth on the side of the building when I came into church. This morning. I don't know if anyone else saw it. It's... It's huge. I actually held it and took a few pictures after Snapchat or something. I don't know. Anyway, we're looking at the book of Ecclesiastes. We've got to get into this. And it's really a search for purpose. Ecclesiastes is a book of perspective. And we're in particular addressing chapter 3 in the book of Ecclesiastes. And we're looking at verses 1 through 8, which addresses the times and the seasons that every one of us experience in this life. In the series key verse, we find in Ecclesiastes 3.1. And let's look at, look at that together. Ecclesiastes 3.1. It says, For everything 
there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Now, the New American Standard Version reads slightly different, but I want to share that as well. It says, there is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven. We realize that God appoints the times. He sets the appointments. He establishes the seasons of our life. And when we look to him, we can navigate through them with his favor, with his provision, with his blessing. Uh, let's, let's pray. Father, we're grateful this morning for this opportunity to share on this Father's Day. We pray for the dads that you would empower them to continue, Father, to reach out and fulfill the calling and mandate upon their lives. Father, we support dads in their important role in the family, the home, and in society. Father, we thank you that you're raising up champions in this hour that are making a difference in this world. We thank you that the dads here are examples, and you're raising them up to be effective leaders to serve your purpose for this generation. Father, give us hearing ears today in a heart of understanding as your word is declared so that truth can find a place in our lives to bring forth change, to bring growth, and to bring freedom in the areas where we may be bound. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone in agreement said amen. Now last week, Andrew Haas did an outstanding job. He addressed verse 2 in Ecclesiastes 3, a time to born be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest. And, and he addressed, I'm going to share a couple of things he said because it was so powerful. He said, we need to embrace the season that we're in right now. And we need to make the best of the moment where we're at right now, accessing all that God has for us. Don't be bummed out because you're waiting for the next season to come because you're sick of this one. And don't complain in this season because it's going to delay you reaching the next one as well. God never ends a season without starting a new one. And our attitude in every season is, is of great importance. He, he really stressed that. And, and the reason you're in the wilderness is because you're there to be led, to be humbled, and to be tested. And some of you... And at the end of the service, we offered prayer for those that were stuck in a season. And you're stuck in a season if you're resisting what God wants to do in your life. And so this morning, my word to you, don't resist what God wants to do in your life because he's going to begin to do something and pull at your heart today. Don't resist that. Don't resist what the Spirit of God wants to do in your life. Some of you are going to have to cave this morning. Some of you are going to have to really give in and yield to the Spirit of God and allow Him to do only what He can do. Because He wants to do a work in each and every one of us, a significant work, a work that will cause people to stand in awe. Is that the same person? What's happened to them? When they, they see the blessing of God upon your life, the move of God and of His Spirit working in and through you, uh, you're going to make an impact. You're going to make a difference in this world, okay? And not to puff you up, but to lift him up and glorify God. Amen? And then resisting the season of God in your life will prevent you from entering into the promised land. And God has a promised land for us, just as he had for the children of Israel. God wants you to be in that place where you experience the fullness. Jesus came in John 10.10. 10, it says that we might have life and have it more abundantly. That's awesome, right? 
And uh, on the flip side, Satan is the thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And and he's, he's pretty busy about doing that, isn't he? So today, we want to look at verse 3. So let's look at that verse 3, Ecclesiastes 3.3. 3. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. Now, this morning, I'm going to address the four phrases in this passage and what it means in our life. To kill, to heal, to break, and to build. So those are my four points. You got them all up front, okay? To kill, to heal, to break, and to build. And, and there's so much packed in this verse that we could, we could develop a whole series just on this one verse, okay? But we're going to address just a few thoughts and give you a few insights so that you can gain some more knowledge to help you navigate through life. Let's start with to kill. Now, references to death in our culture are very common. Would you agree with that? Many times unsettling and often disturbing. We live in in what some have uh, phrased as a culture of death. When we think of what Hollywood is producing, when we think of the issue concerning abortion and ending innocent human life from the most sacred place of the womb, you know, we're dealing with a culture of death where people justify killing. We see the mass shootings, the school shootings, and all this junk happening in the world. Death is all around us, and it may be even knocking at our doors. So measures are taken. How can we secure our safety and protection from somebody that would want to take our life and innocent lives are perishing every day because of this culture of death that we live in. Now, being raised on a farm, I understood there was a time to kill when it came to butchering chickens, a cow, or a pig. Hunted game is also common to many. There's a time to kill, okay? And now what's interesting Because my parents didn't shelter me from the brutality of killing an animal for the purpose of feeding our family. Okay? They really didn't. Because we were right there. It was a family event when we butchered the chickens. My dad was on the chopping block with the axe. And my mom had the big pot of boiling water, the hot water. And when the head came off the chicken... Us kids would gather the chickens because they'd run around until they would collapse on the ground and we would pick the chicken up and put it in the pot and then we'd start plucking all the feathers. You know, so that was kind of, anybody can relate to that? You might say, what are you talking about? That's crazy stuff. Okay, well, you're raised on the farm like me. Now, uh, the Eitenbrooks, they're going to experience that. I understand they bought a bunch of little cute fuzzy chickens, but they don't stay that way. They grow up, and at some point, they're going to be having some chicken dinners, some chicken legs, okay? All right, so now, um, but it's important to understand, for something to live, something has to die. Whether it's a plant or an animal, even if you're vegetarian, you might say, I don't believe in killing, so I'm going to abstain from any kind of animal food for my body. But you know what? 
they still have to kill a plant to live. Because, you know, um, yeah, okay, I, I won't go any more there. So, but that's the point. For something to live, something has to die. Um, whether it's a plant or animal. Now, concerning human beings, a time to kill refers to killing someone in self-defense or for protection from someone who is threatening innocent lives. It could also be uh, referred to for a time of war or in a time of war. Now, it's important to know that there's a difference between killing and murder. And sometimes, you know, people, they don't understand that. And, and the actual the commandment that says, thou shalt not kill, is properly translated, thou shalt not commit murder. Because to kill is different from murder, because murder is to take an innocent life. There's no right, there's no justice there. You have no right to take an innocent life. That's murder. And so, um, now another aspect of killing in our culture is we often say, I, I, I just was killing some time. Killing time is a phrase associated with what we do with our time when we don't know what else to do with it, okay? And uh, it's to use it up, to pass it by, use it wastefully. Killing time is, is something that uh, helps us pass the time when we're waiting for something waiting in line or whatever. Now, a time to kill refers, also refers to a time something needs to die. Now, we're going to all face death one day unless the Lord comes and, and then, you know, through the second coming and if we're alive, we're going to remain, we'll be caught up together with the Lord in the air. So there'll be a group of people, believers on this earth, that will not taste death or experience death. We may be among that generation, if the Lord should tarry, or if the Lord shouldn't tarry, if he, if he comes in our lifetime, uh, we may be among those that would not have to experience death. But for the rest of humanity, according to Hebrews 9.27, it says, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. It's appointed for man to die. So it's an appointment that is, you know, we don't know when that appointment is going to be. God does. But it's going to happen unless the Lord should come and catch us away, okay? Now, a time to kill, and this is what I want to get across, is not just referring to physical death. It can also refer to the death of pride, the death of selfishness, envy, greed, lust, hatred, and a whole list of other things that we could list. There's, other, there's negative behaviors in your life that need to die. Sin needs to die in our life. And I want you even in this moment to think about it for a moment. What needs to die in my life? Are there things that need to be dead in my life? What craving, what desire, what sin habit, what attitude or action needs to die? The Apostle Paul, he had it right. In 1 Corinthians 15.31, he said, I affirm by the boasting in which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, I die daily. See, he would boast, he would brag, but all of his boasting and bragging was about Christ and what Christ was doing in his life, okay? But he noted the fact that he died daily. Now, he wasn't referring to physical death there, was he? What he was referring to was dying to his own selfishness, his own self-will, doing what he wants in order to do what God wants. 
And so there's some things you're going to have to die to. And the Apostle Paul, he saw it as a daily issue in his life. Every day there are things that you need to die to. Okay? Because we all make choices. And some of those choices might lead you on the path of sin, on the path of offending God. And so it's, it's dying to that. No, I'm not. I, it, my desire, my flesh wants that. But I'm going to die to that right now. And sometimes it hurts to die. There's suffering involved. There's pain. Oh, I got this craving. No, I'm dying to that right now. And so, and God will help you in that process. Okay? He really will. Now, oh my. There are some things that have to die in your life. Or you have to die too in order for other things to live. You can't experience the fullness of God. You can't experience the life of God until those things die. And maybe it's pride. Ask yourself what needs to die in your life. See, there's desires that need to die. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, it says, For you have died. Now, he's speaking to living people, okay? And your life is hidden with Christ in God. He's referring to death, to the old man, the old nature, the, the lifestyle we lived before we had our encounter with Christ. That's what he's referring to. And then Galatians 2.19. I'm going to move through some of this fast because I need to give you a scriptural foundation. Okay? So just bear with me. Take good notes or listen to the podcast later. Okay? Galatians 2.19 says, For through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. In other words, the law brought conviction. The law brought condemnation in my life. I realized I sinned. I'm guilty. I'm wrong. I've failed. But that caused me to die spiritually. But then we died to the law so that I might live to God. In other words, we can't live according to the law. We live according to God's law, his nature, his righteousness, which he gives. And so... We're living for God, or we're supposed to live for God. Some people are trying to live, live according to the law, and they're going to fail every time. And then we are to be dead to sin. In Ephesians 2.1, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. See, spiritually, we were dead in our sin. We were not alive unto God. We had no relation. We had no connection with God. And so we see that we were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our sins before we found Christ. In Romans 6.11, it says, So then, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. See, we were dead in sin, but now the Apostle Paul in Romans is saying, now we need to consider ourselves dead to that sin, the sin that killed us. Now we need to consider ourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. And see, when you get that revelation, then you can begin to overcome sin habits in your life. Some of you have not recognized the fact that you're dead to sin. You think sin is still alive, so you're still living in sin. But when you recognize yourself as dead to sin and alive to God, then you can break free from the stronghold of sin's control in your life. Okay, are you following me? And you can write down this statement if you're taking notes this morning. You were dead in your sins, 
And now in Christ, you are dead to your sins. The Lord gave me that the other day. I thought, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. You were dead in your sins, and now in Christ, you are dead to your sins. In other words, to sin's control, to sin's influence, to its working in your life. See, there's no reason to think or believe that God made you to sin. Some people think, well, I can't help it. I can't help myself. Well, God didn't make you that way. That's the old nature of the old man. He made you to live righteously, to live sin-free. Well, it's a possibility when you understand what Jesus did for you and what his blood does for you. Now, it's ridiculous to think he made you to sin and left you without an answer or that he merely forgives you without breaking the power of sin in your life. <sighs> He's broken sin's power. And, and something I heard recently, if sin is still your master till you die, then Jesus is not your savior, death is. Think about that for a moment. If sin is still your master till you die, then Jesus is not your Savior, death is. Because after we're dead, we'll sin no more. Whether you're going to heaven or hell, you, you won't sin again, okay? Um, see, it's a lie to believe we can't be free from sinful lifestyles. And the culture is trying to make us think that we can't be free from sinful lifestyles. So we just accept and tolerate them for ourselves or for others. And so it's realizing God addressed the sin issue. See, when you live contrary to God's word or in disobedience to God's word, you may have instant gratification, but there's ultimately devastation. Hear me on this and know that God has made a way for you. You know, I, I don't stand in judgment of anybody of, of what issue they have in their life. Because we're here to help people out of the mess that they're in. Because God in his love can set you free from sin's bondage and all that junk. All right. We spend a lot of time with that. Let's go to the next phrase, to heal. To heal. There's a time to heal. See, wounds take time to heal, whether it's physical or emotional. And there's a lot of emotionally wounded people there's a lot of people that have been wounded in their life. Some carry physical wounds from things that they've experienced, from injuries, from accidents and things. But there's a time to heal. And I love, and I'm going to give you one verse under this heading of to heal, Acts 10, 38, because I believe this typifies the heart of God towards humanity. It says, how God anointed, this is Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. That's a great combination. He went about doing good and healing all. You need to underscore all. All who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, what's interesting, Jesus did that in his lifetime on this earth, and that still reflects his heart and character. But it's also interesting to note that he's commissioned you and I, the church, to carry that on, to go about and minister his healing power to hurting people. 
whether it's emotional, physical, or whatever, there's a time to heal. Right now, Kurt Beversdorf's wife, Diane, is hospitalized in Marshfield. She had an aneurysm, and they were able to do some surgery last night, emergency surgery, and they contained it. And, and, but she's going to be under the care of, of the Marshfield uh, Hospital for the next two weeks. This is a time for her to heal. And we just pray, Father, for your healing power in her body and restoration in Jesus' name. So there's a time to heal. And sometimes we have to make room to let people heal. You know, if somebody gets saved and delivered, we're not going to, and they have a great gift, a great anointed voice, we're not going to put them on the platform right away to sing out their heart and worship God. Why? They need a time to heal so that they can stand and, and minister with the capacity that God would have them minister and to bless people. You may be in a season of time where you need to heal. Don't run from that. Don't draw back from that. Allow God's healing to visit your life. You need to open your heart to his healing power. Physically and spiritually, mentally and emotionally. The God we serve is a healer. And he'll heal you of the hurts, the wounds, the rejection. The pain, the, the lies you've been told, the lies you believed. He can bring healing in all those arenas. The next phrase is to break. And we could actually say to break down. There's a time to break down. There's a time to break. Now we can break down physically. We can break down emotionally. Or we can break down spiritually. And really when it comes down to it, we're all broken people. And yet there's a part of us and there's a time where we need to be broken. Because the Bible talks about how he ministers to the brokenhearted. Because a brokenhearted person is somebody that's open to receive what only God can do in their life. God has compassion for the brokenhearted. You can read about it in Isaiah. You can see references in the New Testament. Uh, Luke chapter 4 verse 18. When Jesus gets in the synagogue and he takes the scroll. He stands before the people. And he declares that God has now fulfilled the promise of Messiah who came to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus came to heal your broken heart. Okay? And so, but there's things that break us down. Okay? And there's a lot of applications you can talk about breakdown. You know, when you, you, you go into a Christian concert or something, they set up all the equipment. They have a period that they call they break everything down. They take everything apart and pack everything up. Okay? You go camping. And you set everything up, but when you get ready to leave, you have to break everything down before you leave. So there's that sense of this word as well. But for those who have suffered, and I'll just say this, from a nervous breakdown, it, it may seem that your whole world is crashing in around you. But Jesus knows all about it. And he can bring you out of that pit. And make you strong again. It's sometimes the things we go through that really is what makes us strong. In Deuteronomy 7, 5, the scripture here, this was talking about breaking down the things that are standing in the way of us serving God. It says, but thus shall you deal with them. You shall break down their altars and dash in pieces their pillars and chop down their Asherim, that was a false god, and burned their carved images with fire. So part of breaking down is, is getting rid of things in your life 
that should no longer be ruling your life, should no longer be influencing your life. It may be the movies you watch. It may be other influences that you've allowed to affect how you think. And, you know, what we take in, our minds really has an influence on our actions and how we live our lives. So you need to guard the entry point of what you allow in your mind. I have to tell a little story. Years ago, this was before I was married. I was living on West Wilson, just a couple houses down from where Michaela and Andy just bought their first house. They're getting married in, in September. That's exciting for that. But anyway, it was a, you know, maybe it was one of those moments I just had some time to kill. <laughs> and so I flip on the TV, and that's before you had the remote, so I had to go and change the channel. I had to get up from my seat and go change the channel. Can you imagine that? I mean, this was, you know, 30-some years ago. Come on. Anyway, and I didn't have a lot of money. I mean, they had remotes back then, but I didn't have the budget for that. Anyway, so I'm kind of flipping through the channels, and I, I see this old horror movie. And I'm a man of God. I'm a man of faith. I'm not afraid of the devil. I'm not afraid of anything. And I turn that thing, and I sit back instead of watching. And I really, and when I watch movies, you can ask Pastor Dev, I really get into it. You know, the world can be falling apart and things can be crashing around me and I'm just glued into the TV, you know. So all of a sudden, I, I'm getting into this thing and all of a sudden, a spirit of fear grips my life and, whoa, what did I do? I opened a door for fear to control my life. And it took me a while to get past that because those images, those imaginations kept kind of flashing through. And I said, I can't handle this. And, and the Lord showed me that, no, he didn't design me to handle it because he wants my mind to be renewed to his word so that what I think about is in alignment with his word, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is of a good report. Think on these things. We see that in Philippians chapter 4. Uh, building up and tearing down. In Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 10, the uh, prophet, God speaking to the prophet, said, see, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down and to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Wow. We see those things, that, that commission, and we could go more into this, but we want to move on. So there's assignments that we have. Sometimes things have to be broken before, they, before we can uh, rebuild them. You know, you break down an engine to rebuild it. You take it all apart. You take out the old messed up pieces, the gaskets and things. You clean everything up, and then you rebuild it. You put it all back together. I did that one time with a carburetor. Took it all apart. And guess what? Put it back together. It didn't work. And then I looked, and I had some spare parts left over. I said, those parts go in there somewhere. So I took it apart again. That was like three or four times before I got that carburetor working. And so I, I vowed in my life, I will never rebuild the carburetor again. So um, even though now they have YouTube videos that help you do it, walk you through it, I might consider it. But, and, but anyway, 2 Corinthians 13.10. says, for this reason, the Apostle Paul is writing, I write these things while I'm away from you, that when I come I may not have to be severe in my use of authority that the Lord has given me for building up and not tearing down. You see, God wants us to build each other up. To build up 
other members in the body of Christ. And that leads us to this last point, to build up. Are you tearing down or are you building up? Are you tearing yourself down or are you building yourself up on the word? Are you tearing others down or are you building them up on the word? Before you can build the building, you have to break ground. Okay? And see, we are built up in Christ after being broken down by sin. Okay? And building the home, we realize that every, every dad is a home builder. Okay? And this, I want to challenge this with you. We're building families. We're building legacies. Children are a blessing from the Lord. God blessed Deb and I with four children. Daniel, who's living in Florida with his wife, Amanda, and our two grandchildren over there, um, Emery and Ira. Uh, what a beautiful family. They're serving on staff with Bayside Community Church, a great uh, ministry down there. And, you know, children, we're, we're going to go visit our new grandson next month. We're so excited to see Ira. He's going to be three months old already. It's, it's, it's too much time that has elapsed. Uh, before we, especially for mama or grandma there, to see Ira. So we're, we're looking forward to that. Now, Nathan, who is married to Tracy, and what a lovely couple. Aren't they a sweet couple, beautiful couple? Don't you just love Nathan and Tracy? And then Roman comes along. And then this next baby, who knows what he's going to be like. I mean, oh, it's so wonderful. It so, brings so much joy to my heart and the hearts of many. And uh, have some news. Actually, Nathan and Tracy will be moving. Uh, they've accepted a position in Moston with Faith Christian Church under Pastor uh, Paul Sherrick. And uh, they'll be there for the next season of their life. So they'll be still close by, but they'll be moving away. So that's kind of hard, the distance between uh, grandma and grandsons, but um, we're going to miss them. They've been such a blessing to this work. And as parents, you know, we can't hang on to our kids forever. You know that. You have to let them pursue and follow the call of God in their life. And Deb and I, we've determined to do that for our children. Now, Mackenzie, she's going off to Australia. Uh, Deb has been working on it for years to try to change her mind. It's too far away from home. Until Mackenzie finally said, you know, Mom, I feel like every time you try to discourage me from going to Hillsong College in Australia, that I can't hear from God. And Pastor Deb, she came under such strong conviction, and she said, I'm never going to discourage you again. And, and, and realized we're behind her 100%, even though she'll be a long way from home. Hopefully she doesn't have issues with homesickness. And then Michaela. Oh, gosh, she's amazing, too. She, you see her up here emceeing. I mean, um, Mackenzie, she's up here. She's singing. She doesn't say a whole lot, but Michaela's the voice. You know, the, uh, one of, she's a, one of our favorite MCs around here. And uh, she's getting married in September, 1st of September, to Andy, who grew up in this church as well. And what's exciting is um, she wants to have kids right away. And she wants six babies. Not all at once. And so I keep those grandchildren coming. And, and what's nice, they bought a house here. And, and Andy, he is a homebody. He doesn't want to move to Australia or Kenya, anywhere else. So uh, we, we'll have at least some of the family staying around. But amen. Uh, so, but family's so exciting. And, 
And Deb and I have taken effort and sought God in building our family. It was just a few years ago that it was just her and I. And now how many? What's the count now? Eleven of us? Well, you better do the math. I think it's... I don't, anyway, it's, it's more than just the two of us. And, you know, look at the Johnsons. Look at some of you people out here that have grandchildren and now some even great-grandchildren. It's like, wow, this is pretty amazing. But we're building a family. Family is so important. And Dad, your role in the family is so important. Yeah. So, Isaiah, a couple more scriptures because we're going to wrap this up here. Isaiah 57, 14. And it shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way. Remove every obstruction from my people's way. So that's a charge from the prophet. Build up, build up, prepare the way. We're building up a generation. That's why at Refuge, we're investing into the next generation. We want to build them up. They have to carry this vision to reach the future people that are going to be born and living when all of us are gone that are older. And Ephesians 4.16, it says, from whom the whole body joined. That's you. Whole body joined and held together by every joint which it is equipped. When every part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up with love. So when we're all doing our part, we're going to be built up in love. We're going to grow as a church. We're going to grow as a ministry because we're being built up. God wants to build us up. I believe he has great plans for refuge. And uh, Tracy and Nathan, they're leaving on uh, the, the first of the month, but they'll, they'll be back here and there. It's only an hour and a half distance. Um, but there's a couple coming, uh, Jeff and Marissa Prentice. They'll be uh, joining our lead team staff, and they'll be involved uh, here at Refuge. And they come out of Bethel College in, in Redding, California, and uh, involved with ministry there, some amazing people. Uh, so they're gonna, you're going to get to meet them mid-August. So uh, looking forward to them coming here as well. So you got a little news in there so of what's up and coming. But I'm excited, are you, of what God is doing? And I, when I look and I see new faces here, I'm so excited to see people connecting to this vision because you are here to be built up and to build others up. And so we're, we're going to arise and build. Uh, Nehemiah 2.20 says, then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper. And as his servants, we will rise and build. We'll rise and build. You know, I, I think about this parking lot out here and, and all the effort and in, in going into that. You know, it's, it's a physical thing. But, you know, it's going to be so nice to have a new parking lot. And, and you'll say, how could we have managed with the old one? It's like when you get your new cell phone. How could we have lived with, with that old cell phone. And, but, but it's interesting. I, I thought about this. I heard this in Luke's account of the feeding of the 5,000. Did you know that it was a little boy that gave up his lunch to feed the multitude? What's interesting in the story is the little boy wasn't even counted in the 5,000 because the scripture makes note, Luke makes note that there were 5,000 men. The wives and children were not even in that count. So the people who may have the biggest impact may be the people we don't even count or we don't count on. 
And so just realize that. And I was thinking about that. Yeah, God can meet the need through a little boy in his sack lunch. He fed a multitude. You know, so it's, it's, it's everybody doing their part and God building up his body so that we can accomplish what he wants us to do. Because, you know, really as we serve, it's, it's not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. It's, it's God just doing what he wants to do in and through each of us. This um, time we want to direct you to really consider what God might want to do in your life in this moment or the next couple moments here as we bring the service to a close. Let me just say this. Many people reject the truth, but the truth is still the truth whether it's accepted or not. In fact, the truth is not any less because it's rejected. The truth stands on its own. And this morning, we understand that heaven and hell are in opposite directions. And no man or woman can go both ways at the same time. We are saved by God's mercy, not by our merit, by Christ's dying, not by our doing. There's a mentality where people feel they have to earn heaven. They have to work to be acceptable to God before he will let them into heaven. But that's not the case. Heaven is a gift. Eternal life is a gift. Forgiveness is a gift. But that gift did not come cheap. That gift was not free. The price was paid by Jesus Christ. He paid the debt of your sin. He paid the price so you could be set free from sin's power, so that you could receive his gift of eternal life. Wow. It's amazing to think about that. And, and this morning, you know, you hear about 12-step programs, these different programs to get free from bondage, free from sin. Did you know that God has a one-step program? It's stepping out of darkness and into light. It's turning from Satan and sin and from your life without Christ to a life with Christ. And it simply is accepting him as your Lord and your Savior, believing that he died on the cross for you and for me. And every sinner needs a Savior, and Jesus is the only Savior that can deliver us from sin and break its power and control in your life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I know my life is not right with God. If I were to die today, I don't know that I'd go to heaven. But I don't want to, I don't want to miss heaven. I don't want to take the chance or risk in not knowing God and not being in right relationship with Him. If that's you, you want to be right with God, lift your hand so I can see it. And we're going to pray for you. Thank you so much for that lifted hand. Are there others? Thank you so much. We're going to stand together. We're going to pray this prayer together. For those of you that lifted your hand, I'm so excited because Jesus is going to reveal himself in your life in such an amazing way. Maybe, maybe some of you need to rededicate your life to Christ because you've drifted. But I'm going to lead a prayer, and all of us can pray this prayer together. And I call it a sinner's prayer because we're all sinners who need a Savior. So repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come before you and I acknowledge that I'm a sinner 
and I need a Savior. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me life, to forgive me of my sins. I believe in you. I believe you're raised together. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I receive you now. Amen. Now just talk to him in your own words. Just tell him you're sorry. Say, Jesus, I accept you. Jesus, I receive you. Jesus, fill my heart with your love. And even in this moment, his, his love is beginning to flood your spirit. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things pass away. All things become new. God is doing a work in you even now. It really doesn't matter what your past is like, how messed up it was. What matters is your present. It is your present that matters to God. Now, if in your present you're still messed up, God wants to meet you now. He wants to break the sin addictions, the bondages, the things that are holding you back so you can be free. And so some of you need to give something to God today. You need to give Him your pain, your hurt, your sin, those addictions, whatever it is that's holding you back. Just lift your hands before Him. and We're going to surrender to God. Father, we give to you all of our sin, all of our hang-ups, all of our fear, all of our pride, all of our envy, all of our unforgiveness, all of the junk, oh God, that doesn't belong in our life, we give it to you. We receive cleansing, we receive healing, we receive forgiveness so that we can walk in the power of the truth and the light of your love in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.